Record. And nice. Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. A podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is episode 61 of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. I'm Alex Dark. And I am Trevor L. Nelson. And today we're going to be talking about why beginners should master the interview shoot. But first, Alex, what are you drinking? Well, I just have another Modelo here. A Modelo oh. Especial. Oh, ole, 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 sir. Good, good, good. Delicious. Um, I'm, I'm sipping on a... It's called so Grain Belt, one of my favorite local beers from Minnesota, has one that I wanted to try. It's called the it's go oh god, it's so the cozy the koozie's so tight. It's gonna go everywhere. Grain belt blue. It's a blueberry lager. Look at uh-huh. that. Wow. Delicious. Wow. It's very blue. it's not blue, it's bleh. 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 Grain belt bleh. See if I can get it in focus on the camera there, huh? Come on. And is it? There it is. Delicious. It is good. It's good. You know, it's actually, it's one of those beers that doesn't taste like beers. So you could just pound them and you just think you're getting, you're drinking juice and then you're screwed. Perfect. Um, it's not like it's you a super well high alcohol content. Yeah, I know. And market it to kids. <laughs> grain Belt Blue, just for all your vitamin C needs. Yeah. Um, Blueberry is good so, for the brain. <laughs> it's a super fruit. It is. Okay, so what's new, Alex? What's new? What's new? Um, not much, you know. Still in COVID. Um, I, I, Did you, know, you just ask matter- yourself a question? Did you just ask me yeah. a question and then proceed to, <laughs> to answer it? Yeah, yeah. It was a general, just throwing it out there, and I'll answer okay. for you. Okay, yeah. Let's um, hear it. What, what is new? <laughs> not much in COVID. Uh, if you're anywhere in the world, you're probably on lockdown. Like we're getting good back into California. Yeah, very. Uh, so there's, yeah, there's not much new here. Um, uh, uh, California did but, put in a. Um, a law, right? That you have to wear a mask outside now. Like, I don't know when that goes in effect, but I think, yeah, I think it's going to come. And I think on Friday, LA County at least is uh 10 PM to 6 AM curfew for some businesses. Like you can't yeah, saw that. Saw that's that. crazy. But, but I'm curious. Um, I'm out here in my, you know, studio slash garage with the door open. Does that mean I'm outside? <laughs> I need to be wearing a mask. I, I think you're fine. I don't think anyone's going to be driving through the alley trying to find people who aren't wearing masks. Um, if they, if, man, if they get you, if they get you, then you know somebody, somebody. Uh, yeah, somebody called the popos on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody who may have be? called I you wonder. in. Hmm, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody who says, you know what? Having a business partner is great, but I want to do this all by myself and have more work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What else sounds like me? Everyone knows. I, you're so excited um, to tell everyone. Not that we did get some new lights though. We um, did. We're still we're still hitting the auction trails. Uh, we may re ramping that up a little bit more in the near future, but we got some new lights. Some to sell, some to keepsies. Uh, all the same. Um, they're pretty nice. PRG OHM. They're nice. They're like uh, LED space lights. They are, and they look you know without the space light skirts, they look like a maxi mm-hmm. brute type of thing yeah it's kind of cool or a fay yeah. yeah um they, they're really cool alex turned one on looks great uh they're nice bright. and bright they're bright and um led so you can plug it into a wall outlet um 
and we're pretty stoked about them. Uh, we're going to hopefully get 500 watts and they're supposed yeah. to replace a 5k tungsten space light. How insane please. is that? Pretty cool. And we may or may not have gotten, uh, 20, 20 of them. 20 of them. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> you can't beat that price though. No. Um, so if, if anyone in the LA area is looking for some space lights, led, uh, you know, LED phase or LED space lights, let us know because we're selling some of them. Um, we'll give you a good deal. If you just if you if you hit us up and mention this podcast, we will give you 10% off the listing price. That's and we're true. not telling you what the listing price is so that even 10% off sounds like a deal. Yeah. We don't even know. Yep. Okay. Yep. Don't even know. Now, we're going to do a question. question. Okay. On the deck of questions. Gotcha. You ready? You excited? I'm ready. I'm, I'm getting in the zone. now than you were five seconds ago when you didn't know this was happening. I yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm, gonna, I'm in the mode. I'm going to close my eyes so I can really think about this one. Go, hit me. Okay, here we go. Here we go. This is going to be a really dumb question, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to... Let's pass on that one. Pass. <laughs> we get one pass a week. What would be your best day ever, Trevor? <laughs> <laughs> If this is what we stuck on, I would hate to see what you passed on. This is a horrible question. Okay, we could we could we could pass on that too. We, okay, here we go. Which words or <sighs> phrases do you most overuse? <laughs> I think most people would say would accuse me of overusing the English language, i.e., I talk too much. Um <laughs> No, so I, I all don't of think them. they accuse you of that. It's more of a volume issue. Oh, my God. That is true. A lot of people say I'm loud. A lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people. Um, my son's first words will probably be loud. Um, yeah. Ouchie, <laughs> um, ear pain. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Loud. Loud, Papa. Okay, excellent. Uh, you're no longer my son. Um, I think I do a lot of you knows, like, like to end a sentence. The whole, like, oh, my God, that's so cool, you know? Yeah. I, th I think I do that a little bit too much uh, for my like, own good and for everyone like else. like your L.A. version of Don't You Know? Don't You Know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like your cool, hip L.A. version. Don't You Know? <laughs> Which is crazy. I've never had I never had any of the Minnesota catchphrases and the Minnesota accent. Uh, my wife, on a certain couple words, has a Minnesota accent, especially when she says Minnesota. Um, but, yeah, yeah. But you don't you know. do the, what's the, what's the Midwestern thing when you like accidentally bump into something? Hoop. Yeah. You don't Hoop. do that? Uh, every once in a while I catch myself doing that. <laughs> I, I tend to just go, ah, 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 ah. The joke is that even like Minnesota hockey players, when they check someone, they're like, hoop. <laughs> <laughs> Here he comes around the corner. I'm skating fast and hoop. <laughs> Got him. Uh, hoop. Uh, no, I don't do that. Uh, but I would say, um, you know, is a lot. I'm looking for uh, confirmation throughout my life that people agree with me or think yeah. I'm smart. So um, that's probably for me. How about you? That's a good one. Um, I probably tend to overuse um, nice, you know, when people, when people uh, tell me something, I'm like, nice. Uh, yeah. Mostly because you know, I don't really care. <laughs> so... <laughs> So you're being the opposite of nice. Yeah, it's like I don't <laughs> just know how to respond to this and pretend to be interested. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say nice, nice. 
Nice. nice. I'll keep that in mind next time I get something on Hangouts that is like, nice. I'm like, okay, nice. Alex doesn't care about this. Awesome. Like, dude, you will not believe what my son just did now. It's like, nice. nice. I'm like, yep, you don't care. Nice. Good. Nice. On, on Hangouts, I think we both tend to use okay, okay a lot. The double okay. The double okay, yeah, we do that. We do that frequently. Yep. Yep. Um, okay, 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 yeah. okay. Yeah. Sure. All right, good question, Alex. Good question. Good question. That was it. Did it. Yeah, that nice, was nice a barn burner right there. Wow. Yeah, no, nice, nice, <laughs> nice. That was that was nice, nice. I mean, I think we did good, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we could at least entertain ourselves, uh, if, even if the five listeners of our podcast aren't entertained. Like uh, Funbot. I know. Whatever, Funbot. You know what? You know what? If nice. Funbot's listening, if Funbot's listening at this point, then it's on Funbot because Funbot knows what he's getting, he or she is getting, and. That like it's on you for to turn this off if you don't like what you're hearing. I know. I hope I hope he or she is still a listener because it's like oh he's just addicted or maybe it's just like he can't figure out how to stop it from downloading. So <laughs> it just plays. I just hope that for him. Like every for time he gets in his car, it just connects. And he's playing playing the newest episode of No Budget Filmmakers, and they're like, oh, oh damn it! Why? Oh, next, next, no. next. Such a waste that'd be, of time. That'd be the worst, uh, uh, like bug in any system is to listen to our asses talking for an hour without oh, wanting to. Be so good. So, what are we talking about uh, today again? Now that we're mentioning it, wait, we have a podcast. Oh, uh, so yeah, we're talking about um, mastering the interview shoot and how it can kind of be a really good tool for beginners to like not only break into the industry, but also learn and get some hands-on training for features. Um, uh, it's a lot of people, a lot of the jobs you can get as a freelancer right out of college or even when you're in college is, is, is interview, uh, interview style stuff for local videos, commercials, promos, corporate We'll get into that, all the, all the avenues you can go into. But a lot of the times it's, you know, it's the old sit down talkies. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, if you can master those and get those nailed, uh, just nail them. Uh, you will uh, definitely have a leg up as you get into the feature and the narrative side of things. And you may say, why? There's nothing similar between narrative and interview. Oh, 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 oh contraire, my friends or enemies. Uh, there is much, a lot of the techniques you use in the interview, you can use for narrative. That's true. That's true. So, but- yeah. Before we get into all that good stuff, let's just talk about um, why we think it's a good way to break in. Yeah. You know? Um, Don't you know? Don't you you know? Uh, Yeah, I mean, in my my end, I think it's a lot of people look at them as easy to do. And so you don't need a lot of experience to apply for a shoot that is, you know, to, to bid for a shoot that it's, it's an interview. Because especially if you're starting out, you could totally do it with, you know, you honestly only need one camera, minimal lights, and it's, uh, so you could bid yourself pretty, a lot lower than these professional professionals. Um, yeah, totally. And I think um, it's kind of easy to break in because... There's just so much need for it. Um, yeah. Like you were just saying, there's all sorts of different avenues that inter- like an interview setup comes up. Um, so um, 
like learning kind of a handful of techniques can be used over and over and over again on multiple different types of projects, but mm -hmm. um, you're still kind of doing the same thing. It's still kind of an interview or like a talking head type of setup. Um, so there's just so much opportunity, I guess, is what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, in the infancy of mine, Alex's company, uh, we did a lot of interview promo stuff um, for USC, um, for corporations and all that. And, and they a lot of people just want um, want the talking heads, want the, the, the shot, reverse shot, talking heads, let me interview, or sometimes just not even, you know, not even uh, the interviewer on camera, just like I said, you could have a single, you could use a single camera. Some people don't even want the interviewer. They just want the person who's being interviewed on camera, well lit. And you know, it's a day shoot and you can kind of get away with not knowing exactly how to set it up with lighting wise and camera wise, and it'll be fine. And, and, and you can yeah. gain a lot of experience and do, and then just keep repeating, repeating and learning and learning and learning. Yeah. And, Nowadays, something that's kind of a product of COVID that I'm noticing is there is becoming kind of an industry of pe like helping people set up or shooting their Zooms, which is essentially another form of like a talking head interview setup, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that I've noticed a lot of people you know, on social media posting about that, um, like different opportunities for that, setting up Zoom meetings and stuff like yeah. that for different corporations or individuals so it's just kind of like something that never really goes out of style which is nice um, yeah and um easy to gain experience with because it unlike narrative you don't have to really to, to build up a reel you could even just like light you know set up a an interview with like your mom or like your friends yeah. or whatever teacher yeah. at school or your boss, you know, like offer to do a video for your, your boss and the company or whatever. It's like, it's pretty easy to kind of like get some experience under your belt, um, without having to spend a ton of money or, um, like hire a lot of people or put a lot of effort and resources into it. Um, like you would have to, if you wanted to shoot a short or something like that. Yeah. And, um, it's funny because, you know, we say beginners, but like, as you're going through your career, it's always good to be able to fall back on those interview skills um, that you had, uh, that you gained in case you need to make a little extra money. Uh, our friend Dalton, I just talked to him the other day. Uh, he was a documentarian. Um, he would travel the world for uh, travel shows and stuff like that, being a videographer and a, a DP. Um, well, when COVID came, it, that all shut down. And he said he's been able to survive by going back to the old corporate interviews um just him you know no other crew person six feet away um but he's been able to survive and and you know pay his rent pay his bills um and and live basically by going back to the stuff he did when he was in college and just out of college so yeah. it's never a bad skill to have because you never know when you might have to go back to it because this is a weird industry as it has proven this year and you never know when you might need a little extra cash well totally but also i mean more than that, it's like, well, let's go over all the different types of projects that could utilize a an interview style or talking head style shoot. Yeah. We're looking at commercials, which... Commercials, promos, corporate docs, reality talks, news. Okay, next section. Yeah. Done. But like... Nailed it. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, commercials. When we when we wrote this, Trevor didn't know what I was talking about with commercials. He was like, "What are you talking about, Alex? This doesn't make any sense." Commercials. You're crazy. That's usually what I say, Alex. You know. <laughs> but what I'm really talking about is um, a lot of times on commercials, it will be kind of like a straight on shot. It could be like a just a beauty shot of someone, like in a kitchen or something, like t- talking about a product, or um, it's literally a talking head testimonial of a customer. Um, like we actually shot some commercials, um, in Larry's studio that was just interview, same exact setup, um, for, I don't even know. There were like several different ones that we did. Um, so Mm -hmm. there are different types of commercials that where it can come up over and over again. Well, I mean the hell there's that, that series of commercials where it's that guy with the glasses on, uh, it's an investment firm. A Meritrade or something like that, where he is—he's just sitting on a couch usually and talking to people in almost like an interview. I mean, it's not an interview; they're just having a conversation that's being filmed, kind of thing. But it's the same setup. Yeah. You have a person talking, people answering. It, so a lot of commercials. I mean, hell, it's just like all these commercials of like the family at the dinner table uh, talking about their day, and it's blah blah blah. That's that's an interview style. Uh, interview. It, it sounds very specific, but it's just a broad style. It's totally. talking heads going back and forth. And so uh, there's tons of commercials that utilize it. Um, to me, the big one that stands out is um, not specifically like, a, I don't know which one specifically it is, but it's like that fitness, like uh, testimonial type video where it's like a person who lost 50, you know, 50,000 pounds uh, on like Jenny Craig or something. And so it's yeah. just like an interview of them with some B-roll of them holding like large pants or something. And it's the same. It's the same commercial over and over again. They just redo always it. Always the large pants. <laughs> yeah. Um, always the large pants. Um, always showing the before Trevor and the after other people. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, there most products or services that have like a customer base that's testimonial is going to be your interview style because it's them telling their story. Um, and so you'll see a lot in commercials. Um, also promos, which are just kind of more contained commercials in that they're not going to be broadcast. A promo is basically just a commercial. You, you can yeah. do it the same way. It's just usually sent out amongst a select few people or new clients rather than put on the airwaves or on the interwebs in terms of being paid for, for a spot. Um, promos are the same setup as commercials. Um, I, I wouldn't say there's much to differentiate between a promo and a commercial. No, but um, there is like an aspect of promos, like a slightly different offshoot of promos, uh, where you can get hired with a network or something to create and you know shoot edit promos for shows, right? So like, true, yeah. If you worked for ABC or whatever, you could be like in charge of doing promos specifically for all the different shows. So you'd like grab an actor and do like a little blurb with them. Um, yep. Like a tease or like a, a little um, straight to camera thing, telling you to watch the thing coming mm-hmm. up or whatever. Um, yep. So that's just like another aspect of promos that you can get into. Um, yep. But then there's the corporate side, um, which you can do corporate videos that are long form, or you could do promos for corporations as well. Um, mm-hmm. We've done several corporate videos and um, yep. educational type stuff um, for corporations. You break down to be like training. Yeah, yeah training, training for the videos. corporation. Uh, education, like ex- uh, Expanded education. We did a whole whole corporate video series for a bank of America where it was kind of teaching them about a aspect of uh, gerontology and old folks that they may not know, but they should know 
to be uh, financial advisors to elderly people. Um, I mean, that's what the joy of this interview stuff is like. It's so there's so many aspects that it could be used for um, that you don't even know. Probably like I never thought in a million years we'd be shooting a an educational video for Bank of America investor uh, investment bankers uh, for gerontology. No, exactly. Um, There's also documentaries. Documentaries are basically a lot of the time um, it's interviews with B-roll running over it, Um, walking talks. um, Yeah. That's basically what a documentary usually is. I mean, uh, yeah, it, 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 and that's what our friend Dalton did for a long time. He did documentaries. Um, and that's why he was able to easily translate to corporate and promotional videos when he didn't have any work coming his way. Yep, exactly. And similar to documentaries, you get reality TV, um, and even like docu-series, right? Like a spinoff of documentaries, uh, but in series form. So you have kind of this idea of sit down. Um, if you watch reality television, a lot of times they do the straight to camera sort of confessional type stuff or whatever. And then they'll intercut with the sort of run and gun B rolly type, um, yeah. uh, footage as well. Um, and then you have talk, which Trevor and I obviously did with Larry, which is like talk show style stuff. And that not only I, what I've noticed is the talk stuff really um, is big for like YouTube as well. And yeah. different types of shows on like digital type shows, you know, because. And, no, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, because everyone um, makes these shows for that are kind of like easy to produce uh, about a different topic or whatever. And, um, you know, I shot one for Comic Book Girl 19 that was about different sort of like graphic novel artists or whatever. And it was her um, just sort of like going through a history of different graphic artists and uh, graphic novel artists, I should say. And um, and yeah, it was just like in front of a psych with a little set. And it was just like a single setup, you know, talking head style, but like, you know, a couple different angles. Um, yeah. So same type of deal. But then also nowadays... You got the podcasts, which are really uh, popular. Interviews, yeah. And not only that, but even more popular. Well, I don't know about even more popular. It's hard to say how many podcasts are actually filmed. But also, I've noticed a, a big rise in after shows. So they try and squeeze as much content as they can out of hit shows. So they'll have a, the show. And then after that show, they'll have a whole hour show talking about the show you just watched with cast members and fans and all that. Uh Walking Dead does that. The Boys does that. Um, I think Survivor does that. Um, I know that they have like Real Housewife reunion type stuff. So there's yeah. a lot of opportunities out there for talk that aren't just like talk shows like The View and like you know stupid stuff like that. You can get on something that's like the the Talking Dead or something like that. You know, after shows have become very popular in terms of talk that are focused solely on a TV show and more specifically the episode that just aired. Totally. Um, and then obviously news. I mean, news is, uh, every town in America has a news station. So <laughs> like, obviously it's probably, well, I don't know if red lion does, well, we red don't lion, know. Pennsylvania we don't know. used to, we don't know yet. Used to, we're going to get it back up though. <laughs> um, but probably one of the most widespread, you know, other than corporate videos, uh, opportunities out there because there is a news station, you know, literally everywhere. Um, yeah. So you could get a job working at a news station doing talking head stuff. And then also same 
um, as we mentioned earlier, you can actually get a job doing promos for the news station um, and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just a handful of, of different uh, possibilities that there are out there. Um, and, you know, the thing about it, too, is like, it's not the glamorous stuff that a lot of people think about when they're like, I want to be a filmmaker or whatever. Like I want to go out and make movies. Uh, but it pays pretty well. A lot of times, you know, like the corporate stuff, you'd be surprised the, the crazy little weird stuff you have to do. And then all of a sudden it's like, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it pays better than you would imagine better than I thought. Yeah. And it's, and it's consistent. Like reality shows are consistent news is there's always going to be news. Yeah. Um, so a, a lot of them are consistent work. So if you're just looking to get started, maybe you want to build up your, uh, your gear, um, you know, do this stuff cause it's consistent work. It'll pay the bills. It'll get you to let you to buy more gear. Um, and you know what, maybe you don't want to do it forever and that's fine. It's not for everyone. Uh, if you do want to do it forever, that's fine too. But I mean, like at this point you've done all these promos, you've done commercials, you've done, uh, reality show, blah, blah, and you want to move forward, you it's still worth your while to have the experience of these to, you know, move into features, to move into narrative, because a lot of the techniques will be extremely similar. Yeah, exactly. So um, especially when you think about, you know, there isn't one, you know, standard setup for a an interview, right? Like there's different styles to interviews. You, you look at documentaries and you can have kind of like a, a very um, bright and clean beauty style interview, or you can have like a really gritty sort of like mysterious interview, you know, for like an unsolved mysteries or whatever, you know, it's like there's Murder. all sorts of different styles. Dateline NBC. Yeah, exactly. Um, so just because it's interview doesn't mean that you're lacking like a skill in creating different moods or styles in your shooting so that can easily translate like the skills when it comes to lighting and creating like mm -hmm. a, a vibe for a shot uh, a shoot um that just translates across the board yeah yeah and i mean um it's also like a lot of times when you are doing an interview style shoot you're going to be forced into locations that suck um it's wherever they can get the space it's in the kitchen of a hotel uh, you know it's it's like you're just forced to do it wherever because um it's gonna take a long time you can't get in the way of other people doing their thing um you know maybe sometimes you'll have the, the joy of you know doing it in a studio like uh, larry we did our interviews in a studio but like these corporate gigs you're gonna be maybe doing it at the offices of uh the corporation and you're yeah. forced to do it in a corner where everyone's walking by and it's like there's no windows and all it is is a blank wall so it teaches you very early on about turning crappy locations into nice looking backgrounds because what else are you going to do i mean you're not going to roll up with all your gear plus a ton of background art department stuff um you know alex has a nice background there but that took him a while um this obviously behind me didn't take me time at all because it looks like shit but um uh yeah i mean it's 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 a very underutilized skill not underutilized but underappreciated skill that you are forced to work with 
a lot less than you would want to when you're doing interviews because they're kind of cast offs. And so you're able to do something like, um, make a really shitty corner of an office look a lot better with lighting and, and maybe moving some plants around, but you're able to do a little art design and, and art department stuff. And, and that helps when you're going to narrative and you have a location that is the only one that works within your budget and you got to make it look pretty. Yeah. And similarly, it kind of like forces you to find the good angles of a space, you know, cause not mm-hmm. every, you know, not every angle is going to look good no matter what. Um, and sometimes, yeah, you're kind of like dealt a specific hand. Um, and I know there's been plenty of shoots that aren't interviews that I've been asked to do where there hasn't been really any prep, you know, they, they don't have (laughs) the budget for like a prep day. Um, Mm -hmm. or I just haven't had the opportunity, like they wouldn't give me a day, like a location scout day. So I'm just showing up with like a couple pictures that they've sent me. Um, (laughs) yeah. And I'm supposed to light something like really quickly so that we don't like get behind. And so that means you have to like show up and figure out what to do, like, and execute it usually within an hour because what happens is you get called to set and then on the schedule, like an hour after you get there, you're supposed to be shooting. So you have to be able to show up, figure out what to do and how to make it look good. And then, and then execute it within like an hour. And so all that stuff, I mean, like with Larry, we didn't just shoot in the studio. We did have to go out and shoot at random places um, in in hotel rooms that were just like hideous and with like the, the beige backgrounds that it's just all like gross, like hotel furniture and stuff like that. Or yeah. or um, in Larry's kitchen, we had to do like a couple cooking segments in Larry's kitchen, which is, you know, a nice kitchen, Oof. but it's not meant to be, you know, filmed in. Yeah. Or um, Larry's yeah. living room. We have to move stuff around all the time. Um, or the worst, the worst when you have to do do a shoot outside and you literally have so little control over everything. Because, you know, I mean, Larry was a big production, but it wasn't that big that you could get 5K lights to kind of, if it was overcast, no. to kind of light the, the actors' faces. You guys did Backstreet Boys on an outdoor stage. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's not, it's... A lot of people are like, oh, outside, natural lighting, sweet. No, no, it's not the easiest thing in the world. Well, um, and you have to work with what you can. With When it comes to that kind of stuff, it's the worst because you show up at, let's just say, 9 o'clock. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, they'd give us three hours to set up, which is nice. Very um, nice of them. But you would have it set up. And then so you're like, by noon, you're ready to go. Um, then they show up, they sit in. And everything that you've done is like different because the sun's moved um, <laughs> or behind a cloud. And now it's just like straight overhead and like all this. Yeah. Or it's like behind a cloud um, or like their skin tone is different than the stand in like intern that you had like sit there uh, because you don't have anyone else to light. So it's mm-hmm. like and then you have to like on the fly within like a few minutes, dial it in so that it works uh, and just keep going. So it does it does yeah. create this sort of like work ethic and mindset that is basically like keep moving, um, problem solving in the moment and just getting stuff done uh, because you have to. And I think, you know, that's not to say that you shouldn't prep when you can because you should every time. Yeah. Like if you can prep 100 percent, always prep. But um, <laughs> like, there's just no doubt about it. 
But if you can't, well, it's good to have the skills to be able to sort of like work on the fly. And it definitely, I, I, you know, I think just talking this out, like one thing that all comes together with interviews is that you are forced to think on your toes a lot with interviews because, you know, like you're given, you're put in non-professional locations and you're given non-professional, you know, there's no soundproofing. It's not a studio. Um, you're a lot of times given uh, non-professional actors um, or just people that are like, you know, like we did one for USC where it was students and half the time we were just getting the students to feel comfortable. It wasn't even about interviewing them and getting their questions. It was just about getting them to feel comfortable and not nervous. And so a lot of the times it helps your directing, just how you talk to people. Cause it's easier to talk to, to actors than it is to talk to non-actors and get them comfortable and get them to do what you want them to um, naturally. Um, so it does help directing. It does help you think on your toes because, oh, God, this is where we're shooting. Great. All right. Um, let's do this, this and this. Oh, this person only has 30 minutes because they have to get back to work. Ah, shit. OK, well, let's think about this, this and this and let's get them in here. OK, calm it down. Let's do this. Let's do this. And then, boom, they're out. Um, so it does it does help you kind of guerrilla style your filmmaking uh, once you get into the narratives because you are there's so much you don't control and can't control or they don't allow you to control in an interview, um, no matter if it's commercials, promotional stuff, corporate, especially corporate stuff. Um, like it's, it's tough to have total control because you're kind of at the whim of the people who really are in control, which is the people that are paying, you know, paying, paying your check, writing you your check. And they think they have this great location for you. Oh, this will look beautiful. Make sure you get this really beige, like, uh, like, backdrop in it because we love this wall and it's like no that looks horrible like it looks horrible and it's like well that and happened, by the way you gave us, us if you that? recall it wasn't oh, God, beige, yeah. it was blue mm -hmm. we shot this entire video and then the client decided that they wanted to reshoot it because they wanted the wall to be painted blue to match their brand yep yeah. um and that helped us out because we got double paid but um <laughs> Uh, um, cause it was not our fault for the reshoot, but at the same time, also then they're like, Hey, we are going to shoot, put you in this room. That's uh five foot by five foot. It's like, there's no way to separate the, uh, subject from the background. So it's just flat. Um, it's tough. It's tough. You don't have much control. So a lot of this stuff you're learning doing these interviews is stuff that you can utilize to think on your toes and problem solve on set on a narrative film. Yeah. Um, and similarly, a lot of times when you're, especially when you're working in documentary specifically or mm -hmm. reality uh, kind of, you are creating a story on the fly. So you end up uh, crafting questions, um, receiving answers that you don't necessarily know the answer to. And then on the fly, you're trying to incorporate it and see like how it's going to land in the final product and where it's going to weave together with this other interview that you're doing on you know, <laughs> 20 days from now. And um, mm -hmm. so you're, you're crafting this story in your mind um, and making it happen with the questions that you're asking and trying to like draw uh, story points out of people. Um, and so again, on the fly, you're responsible for creating a story, which, you know, when it comes down to then after the fact in a narrative setting, you have like, all the time in the world to craft the story because you're writing it. <laughs> it's like a big luxury, but you've, um, 
you've already begun to understand like what makes a good story, um, how to create drama, um, how to create suspense or mystery or whatever, uh, comedy, um, with, Mm -hmm. uh, these skills that you've done creating documentaries and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and speaking of the dialogue, um, it's, it's most, most dialogue scenes in a film are just like an interview, two people talking back and forth, shot, reverse shot, light it the same way you would in in an interview. Um, and so, you know, a lot of your talky, talky movies, Mm -hmm. the, the loud pictures, um, they would just, they would use the same principles that you would to set up the lighting for an interview, except the people may be standing. They may be moving at some points, but it's still the same principle of what side do you want to light the face? You know, you may, your, your, your key light, your fill light. Uh, and, and that it doesn't change no matter what, because a lot of movies, unless you're Aaron Sorkin, who'd like to the walk and talks where they're just coming right at the camera and everything's changing around them. A lot of the times dialogue is pretty static. Like you're not, your characters aren't moving around that much. Um, and it's, it's almost an interview. The scene is an interview. Um, and, and so if you can light it like that, if you're used to lighting interviews, you can pretty much light any dialogue scene that is, isn't too crazy. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you've been working on with your interview setups, like natural, creating a a natural look because that's motivated, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're, if you're working with like, a black box with no windows and you're trying to like use patterns on the wall to, you know, of light to try to like do the old school type of interview lighting setup like that maybe won't apply. But if you're working in like real locations and using like the, the, uh, existing lighting and the windows to motivate your lighting, then yeah, it's, it's basically the same thing. And again, there's all different types of interview setups. And so you can get all the different styles like we talked about, um, like a dramatic style or um, uh, even like a scary, I don't know, um, <laughs> whatever. So it, Unsolved it does mysteries. Kind of, yeah, the scary stories. It does kind of uh, uh, translate. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at, if you look at um, like dinner scenes, all the time. It's just yeah. like people sitting at a table talking to each other across the table. That, that's an interview setup. Um, but, you know, obviously. There's a whole movie met- that's an interview. Yeah, but it's just. Dinner like, with Andre. Yeah, yeah. But it's just. <laughs> that's it's an just, interview. It's like the lighting just matches the surroundings or you've created like a mood, which, again, you can do in, in uh, interview style as well. But then. Yeah. yeah. Um, another aspect that we kind of touched on is the B roll, which, um, in interview style stuff, like a lot of times you just have to run around and get B roll. That's going to fit within the story and kind of like intercut. Um, and it could just be, especially if if, I was going to say, especially if you're like, you're cutting up an interview to get out the, the bad sections or the boring sections, you need to cover it with something usually. Um, and that's another time you you need to get to your B roll. Yeah. And the B roll again is the same type of deal where you're, you have to shoot something specific um, to the interview that you're doing. So it's not like you get to choose the location. It's like based on some type of reality most of the time. So um, you have to learn how to frame things and make things look interesting or um, 
how to quickly uh, just use like one light with a battery to light something so that you can see it and it looks nice um, just for an insert shot or whatever. Um, yeah. And all those skills, again, like translate because, you know, you'll inevitably come upon a, a shot in your narrative project where you're like, oh, this just doesn't look good. You know, it's like, like yeah. I don't know. There's something not right about this. And so then you have to kind of like go back to those skills of being able to like pick out the right angles or like um, adjust the lighting slightly to make it look right um, for whatever you're doing. Yeah, we did a, we did this promotional video for a school at USC. Um, and it was, I mean, there were these room tours and it was these students talking about these rooms because it was for occupational therapy and they have some very unique rooms. Like one is like a makeshift uh, living room so that people can figure out how after like a stroke or something, they can walk around their their living room and stuff like that. And you think like, you know you need to get B-roll because you can't just have a kid talking about a room without showing the room. So you knew you had to get B-roll. and But we had a gimbal and, and all that. And so we tried to make that B-roll look as sweet as possible. Um, you know, it was moving, moving through objects, around objects, up, down, you know, whip pans and all that. And it was like, if, if you're going to do B-roll, if you need to do B-roll, make it cinematic, make it interesting. Um, and, and then when you move on to a narrative, get those same kind of shots, get, use that compositing, uh, experience, uh, compositing your frame, uh, and, and Composing. utilize what you did for Composing. the interview. Oh God. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm thinking about, I'm looking at the GFX already. Compose. There we go. God, this beer is, the blueberries are going in my head. Um, you've had 30 already today. Um, yeah, but learn about your fr the framing. Um, you know, it, I think me and Alex took every opportunity we could when we had to do B-roll to make it look at least interesting, not just static shots of like this, 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 this. This is a knife. It was like, you know. We had the Osmo at the time. We don't have it anymore because it kind of sucked. But the one thing that was good for it was movement. Um, it was very steady. And we used that thing a lot on those kind of videos because it was um, able, we were able to, to put together shots that I thought looked really cool and uh, were interesting while people were talking about a dentistry chair for kids. Um, <laughs> so we were able to, you know, nice little follow down, pan, tilt up, look at the ceiling, all in one sh continuous shot and all that. It was, it, it turned out good. I was happy with it. And we utilized that for uh, other uh, narrative things we did in the future. Yeah. And then yeah, we've got the editing. Oh yes. The beauty of editing. So, um, I mean, um, let's be honest, not all of the stuff that we've done has been just interesting straight out of the camera, you know, like, like we're mm, talking mm, about like, mm, like mm, dentistry mm, chairs for kids and stuff. It's mm, like, you got to do some mm, editing. Oh God. To make some, yeah. some things like work. And like you yeah. said, editing the, uh, the B roll over parts that are not good or like, I mean, you were talking about earlier how, uh, you know, working with people that are nervous or like, don't know how to act in front of the camera uh, or how to just, you know, be natural in front of the camera. And there are instances where it's just like you can't get around it and you don't have the time to really coach people all day uh, because a lot of times, mm -hmm. you know, in these scenarios, we've had pretty tight schedules of interviews back to back. Um, so there's only a small window of time with each person. So it's not like we can sit there and try to like really coax out the best stuff from each person. So there have been a couple instances where people are just too 
nervous or, or um, you know, can't quite get out of their their own head. Um, yeah. So you have to use the editing to make it, you know, watchable basically sometimes. A lot of ums, a lot, a lot of pauses, of, yeah. a lot of, oh, wait, can I restart that? Can I redo that one? But the first part that they said was really good, and so you want to keep that. Um, and also, like Alex had said earlier about when you're interviewing the people, pulling out stories. Also, when you're doing an interview, um, now, and this isn't to say you edit the content to uh, make it something that's not true, <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's story editing in terms of like, you know, you say you have a 30 minute, like we had, we did this other video for OT where it's talking about kids um, and their uh, financial situations going to USC. And each person talked for 45 minutes, but the videos needed to be five to 10 minutes each. Um, so you really learn quickly how to take out the fluff, take out the stuff that's not interesting and edit together a cohesive story that has a beginning, middle and end, even though they didn't mean it for that because you were asking questions throughout. And like the way we did it is you don't hear the interviewers questions. So some people will repeat the question. Some people won't. And you have to weave that in. So that sounds like one coherent talking point or just a conversation that doesn't stop. And get the stuff out that you don't need, keep the stuff that you do, keep the stuff that's interesting and you can utilize that. So when you're, when you write your screenplays, you're not putting in stuff that doesn't need to be there. You know what is important, what needs to be said and you don't have, which is why some people's scripts are 130 pages long in the first draft because they put in things that aren't necessary. They, they don't get right to the point in their dialogue. Um, when they have to. Um, and so by taking an interview and having to cut it down and kind of edit the story to make it coherent and interesting, it will definitely help when you're writing to make everything a little tighter, uh, make it a little more manageable in terms of not being too wordy. Um, unless you want it to be wordy, which works for Kevin Smith, but for most people, less words, show it instead of say it. There we go. I'm sure there's a hundred more reasons why doing interview type shoots uh, to start off with is great. I think overall, um, the best reasons for a beginning filmmaker especially is it gives you an opportunity to learn the basics. You're only dealing with a single person in a, a lot of times in like a static position. Um, so it's kind of like the most, um, uh, I don't know, like... So the simplest form of a lot of things like lighting, audio, camera work, um, editing. And so it's really great to learn sort of like the basic principles of all those things. Um, I know that for me and also Trevor, like we're not audio people, but we've had to do audio on a lot of interview type stuff. And it's given us sort of like the knowledge and skills and background to, you know, do an okay job uh, in other in other uh, sound areas, um, you know, <laughs> okay, being it's like we're not going to be hired to be professional ass. sound people by any means. But if we Hell had no. to like put a lob on someone, we could do it, you know. And so I think yeah. that um, that type of stuff and um, learning the basics of lighting, how to use uh, the lights that you have, um, how to create different looks um, using hard light, soft light, how to use like backlights, how to light the background. 
um, all this stuff, how to use natural light, like all these things, it all translates. It's all the basic stuff. Um, and it's all stuff that you're going to use over and over again, no matter what you're doing. Um, so I think all of that, that's a really good reason to just get started in interviews. Um, plus, like we said, there's just so much of it out there. It's if you're trying to make money as a filmmaker, if you're trying to like quit your day job, whatever it is, and become like a, a filmmaker full time, um, it's it's pretty much a good a good bet that you can you can do it uh, with interview style shoots. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to do it for this episode. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. All right. So thank you so much for joining us. You can get the show notes for this episode by visiting nobudgetfilmmaking.com. And don't forget to hop on over to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating if you feel so inclined. Alex, will hold off. You want to start that music? Because I know you want to. I do. <laughs> if you have any filmmaking questions, ask away in the Fearless Filmmakers community, and we will try to answer them. Also, if you're in the giving mood, which it is the season of giving tis, tis the season tis the season guys <laughs> head on over to nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash beer and buy us a beer and we'll even give you a shout out in the next episode thanks so much guys and we'll see you next time all right later later <laughs>